When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always the right time to dress to impress. This season, step out in style with Indochino. They make high-quality custom-fitted suits, shirts, and casual wear, all at a surprisingly affordable price. Each Indochino piece is made to your unique measurements and specifications. Suits start from just $4.29. Dress to impress this season with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of $3.99 or more by using promo code IMPRESS at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com, promo code IMPRESS. It is the Blue Room. We are back with the weekly show. Uh, I've still not got internet at my house. I'm still perusing for these best places to try and get some signal. So apologies if you hear some clattering around in the background. Uh, you may not be worried about hearing me anyway, but you'll be looking forward to hearing from our two guests, Les Roberts and Adam Sutton. Les, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, missing the Euros already, but... But it's a little bit of a dead zone, isn't it? Where the players have just got back and you just sort of, the Euros is finished, so you're back to daytime telly. You can't think and write, I want some transfer news now. It's that little weird dead zone. But yeah, I'm, I'm quite enjoying the break. And I think at a point as well, when we're all working from home, having those daytime matches were an absolute joy, weren't they? To sort of keep keep you going through the day. You know, I've never been yeah, so interested great. in Sweden versus um, Slovenia before, but there, there I was on two o'clock on some days watching it. Uh, Adam, how are you doing, mate? Are you missing the, the tournament yet? I am, you know, it was it was one of those where my second monitor is usually taken up by Teams or Zoom or whatever. Um, and as you say, it was taken up by some two o'clock five o'clock and eight o'clock match that I couldn't care less about um, if I wasn't having to work. So yeah, I am missing it to be fair, but I'm, I'm really looking forward now to being able to get back to Goodison and get back to the aways and any form of football. Um, yeah, can't wait. That, that, that's actually someone that, you know, we will talk about um, Jordan Pickford, Rafael Benitez, his press conference at Thierry Small, but that's something I'm not actually really thought about myself there, Adam, until you said that. Because obviously, since we, we last did the show, it was confirmed by the government, whether you'd agree with it or not, that things are going to be lifted completely next week, uh, which means that we'll all be able to get back in the stadium, a full stadium. Um, whether there's going to be passports or not, yeah, we're not sure, of course. Um, there are going to be people being able to go to away games again. Um, how, do we, how do we both feel about that? I'm assuming both of you guys have, have renewed your season six for next season. And I'll come to you first on this one, Adam, because I remember speaking to, to you and your dad outside the, the ground before the Wolves game, and you were speaking then about how you know, you're know you enjoying being around people again. You know, you're know you very social from, from, from that standpoint. Um, how do you feel about going from that 6,000 up to, to 40,000 again at Goodison? Is it makes you feel apprehensive? It makes you feel excited? What are your emotions about that? Uh, excitement is... Is the primary emotion um, always, and I think it gets to the point where if we are able to do other events of the capacity, if we're able to go to you know full restaurants, if we're able to you know spend time indoors um, with with people we don't know, people who haven't been vaccinated, then we should be able to go visit a football stadium outside, no matter what the capacity. So yeah, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for a bit of normality now, and, and if normality is Go one nil down in the first five minutes, then just give me. <laughs> um, 
But, yeah, I think on a serious note, if we are able to do so and if it seems safe to do so, then why shouldn't we all want to, to rush back to, to Goodison or to, I think it's Old Trafford, which is probably the first one that we might get a chance to go to, isn't it, pre-season? So, yeah, um, I'm just, yeah, I just can't wait to get there. And, and I say it all the time, it's, it's that match day experience that I miss. The football probably comes secondary to just getting on the train or getting out the car finding a random boozer in the middle of some random city and um, yeah, just bumping into a couple of Everton fans, which is what gets me going every weekend, definitely. How about you, Les? Because obviously you go with your dad as well, but you've got your youngins who you take with you as well. I mean, are they excited about getting back to a full Goodison? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> is, it, why is that? Just because of the manager? No, just because they don't really like Everton that much. Um... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically when I told Jay had renewed he, he sort of sent me some abuse, basically calling me a knobhead for reviewing, for renewing. I think, <laughs> you know, um, fair enough. So you know, it, it's kind. Of, it is. You remember that thing we go. That sort of thing we go the game. That's what we do. It's kind of like us. We kind of just go. We've not enjoyed it for years, but we all just like everyone, isn't it? You just trudge along. So I mean, I'm really looking forward to getting back. Um, I think the kids see it as a little bit of a distraction from other things they could be doing. Let's face it, I've got nothing else to do with Saturday. They have. They've got loads of things they could be doing. So I think I'm looking forward to it more than them. Um, but yeah, I think the... I'm not sure how apprehensive it'll be when it actually comes down to it. And, you know, it's it's the sort of the big queue to get in and there's loads of people milling around because none of us have had that close contact for the best part of 18 months now. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how I'll feel until I get there. I imagine it'll be pretty normal. It'll be all right. Um I think we should actually uh, petition the club to have table service or seat service. <laughs> I think it's time to change. Baseball vibes, that would be. I'd absolutely love that, you know. It'd be, like it'd be great, wouldn't it? A little uh, tray with a couple of rollovers and a bovril and that. <laughs> Someone coming around with like a backpack full of beer that they can just put, you know, sort of squeeze in or something like that. that that'd be incredible. Oh, that'd be the dream, though. But, but you know, it's and the reason I sort of asked that sort of obviously last week. If anybody seen my Twitter feed, I was lucky enough to get tickets for that England semi final. And mm-hmm. you know, it, to, to be honest, it was only something that the fact that I was around that many people was only something that really dawned on me after the event. And I mean, that, that might have been due to the fact, you know, because it was a, a big game, we'd gone down to London, we'd, we'd had a few drinks beforehand, and you know. We're in the pub probably two, three hours before the match. And obviously when you, you have a drink, your inhibitions get lowered and you know, that, that's just a, a natural thing. But it was only really the next day when I sort of thought, bloody hell, that's the, the, the most people I've been around for, for a long, long, long time. And, you know, it was nowhere near the scenes that we saw for the final where obviously we've all seen the people bunked in and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, it was, it was far over the capacity it should be. But... I'm sort and start to think that maybe when, when things come along, we'll all just slip back into that that same groove. But I don't know. It's, I think everyone's got everyone's chance are going to be out of time and stuff like that. <laughs> it's it's going to be it's going to be a little bit mad. You know, for so many years, people have just been doing the same things. We've got the same trigger points for when to sing certain songs. I think they're all going to be skewed for a little bit. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, one lad I imagine who will be getting a lot of songs sung about him. We need to get a better one than England's. England's number one for Jordan Pickford, I think, after this, uh, after this summer. But I imagine he will be uh, the toast of the Gladys Street and the Park End, even when he comes back to, uh, to to play for Everton after the summer he's out. But before we get into speaking about his performance, lads, I, I sent both of you um, this before we started. I want your opinions. This is probably the two most fashionable lads on our show, I'd say. Um, 
on Jordan Pickford's homecoming outfit. Um, Adam, you said it was right up your street, so I'll let you describe it to the listeners uh, for anyone who's not quite seen it yet. Yeah, there's like a little bit of me, to be fair, what he was wearing. So it's like um, a two-piece short and like shirt combo. Um, whether it was like a satin fabric, um, but it's, it's, I don't know, it's quite popular at the moment, to be fair, especially with a lot of my mates and, and um, like holiday wear type of vibe. Um, so there's a few like independent, like, uh, like fashion Instagram accounts and websites that are doing that at the moment. So, yeah, it was like a, it was like a polka dot type of pattern. Um, and yeah, I think he just doesn't, I, I don't know, I don't think he's the most well um, dressed fella in regards to, he could probably wear a lot of things that wouldn't look good on him. But I thought he's, uh, he looks all right there and he's obviously had a good couple of months. So whatever he wants to wear, he can. What about you, Laz? Would you be strutting around back and have a, that, that pink and black checked? Uh... Nah. Uh, Gucci pajamas are not for me, I'm afraid. Is that is that how you describe them? Gucci pajamas. I would pajamas. say they are no. Gucci pajamas. Then, Daffo. Oh, dearie yeah. me! I'm too old for that, to be honest. I mean, I mean it's uh, um, maybe, maybe if it was Adam's so- age. Um, yeah, I, I want to know what he's wearing on his feet. Is he now? You don't see that in any of the pictures. What What you reckon? What would you guess be? <laughs> I mean, I hope it's a pair of Gucci flip-flops. Just <laughs> complete yeah. the look. Yeah, but even, I, even, I, even better, his lad was dressed as Spider-Man, wasn't he? That was amazing, to be fair. Yeah. Brilliant. And, Absolutely and the, sensational, the old, that. I think his, his missus and um, all the family had Jordan Pickford masks on as well, didn't they? <laughs> Looked like a cracking dude. Looked like a cracking dude, to be fair. Um, it I did, mean, didn't it? And I think we've all seen the video now, or maybe people haven't actually, of him on one of his mate's shoulders, singing along to Believe. <laughs> as well. Just his pyjama shorts. Yeah, his, his top was off at that point. He looked like he'd, he'd had a good day. But, um, but sort of moving on to the, to the more serious side of it, um, Ardy's, you know, like you said, it, it's well-deserved, isn't it? After the uh, after this heroics, really, you could say, for England over the past month or so, he's been, been unbelievable, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been... He is, yeah, totally exceeded. I think a lot of Everton fans' expectations, even on the back of that good couple of months he had uh, towards the end of the season. And I think he, he probably, well, I saw numerous uh, well thought of journalists and pundits not even putting him in the starting eleven before the Euros, and for him to uh, basically make them all look absolutely stupid is is a credit to him, really, the way he's carried himself. I think we, as you say, ex- exceeded our expectations, but we we saw something with Jordan Pickford change. Um, and we've said it before, haven't we, with the likes of maybe Robin Olsen, he started seeing a professional about just the ability to calm himself in, in situations that he wasn't able to be calm in previously. But there's one thing that's never doubted about Jordan Pickford, and it's his ability to, to cover the, the spaces in between and around his six-yard box and his... Set some of his saves. The one where he unfortunately comes back out to Benucci for the equaliser is if that doesn't go in and they win one nil, it, it for me it goes down as one of the best saves in, in a major tournament final because the ability for him to be stood up straight, think a shot's coming in, the shot doesn't come in, he has to reset and then he gets down to his right hand side to, to put it onto the post. And that's not even mentioning that the save from the penalties as well, the Jorginho one, he probably doesn't even move until the ball's alongside him. So to get down and, and tip onto the post again, 
he's um, he's been fantastic, and and that's just in the final. He went five games, was it, without even conceding a goal? So yeah, it's it's a, a huge, huge boost of confidence for him, and it's going to be a huge boost of confidence for Everton uh, and and our defensive frailties almost I'd say with with regards to at times very worried about going back to the keeper or putting pressure on the keeper and I know I say that he's had a good couple of months but I think it just breeds confidence into your defence into your midfield and and into your fans so he's um, yeah he's made a lot of Evertonians proud and he's made a lot of uh, silly pundits and journalists deeper words I think a few silly podcasters as well, mate, myself included. You know, just go going back a few a few months. You know, last when we were doing the the watch the, the score videos, you know, before every game last season, there was there were plenty of times we'd be speaking about the goalkeeper and who we think should be should be involved. And you know, there were plenty of times where I sort of said, you know, Olsen, I'd rather go Robin Olsen. I remember saying before the Merseyside derby in in February that I probably would have gone with Olsen given how well he was playing at the time. Pickford wasn't doing that well he'd obviously have the, the history of what happened with Liverpool earlier in the season and I think he could even go back to February there you know late February and say people had doubts around him then and but to be to be fair to you mate whenever we, we did those shows whenever we spoken about the, the, the goalkeeper Jordan Pickford you've always stuck up for him and always thought that he was somebody who would, would eventually come good so, so I imagine you would have been um, watching those performances at the Euros feeling very smug about things yeah, I was I was made up. I mean, I think even I got to I'd, I'd backed him a lot. I think even last season I got to a point with him where I was like, nah, it, it's it's too often now. He's making too many mistakes. I think it was after the the Goodison derby, which was the best way to win a draw you'd ever could. Um, he, he effectively threw one in at the end. I thankfully got disallowed, but it just seemed to be happening too often after that. So even I did reach a point. But yeah, I was I was made up because it. Having watched Robin Olsen, I was, I was lucky enough or unlucky enough to get to the Man United game last season in the Cup. And having watched Robin Olsen live, although he's a good keeper, he's not, I don't think he's in Pickford's class. He doesn't He doesn't have that sort of X factor that Pickford's got. As I mean, he's a really good keeper and he made some great saves himself and he had some really good performances in the team last season. Um, but I just always thought Pickford was the better option, particularly for his kicking. But I just think it's sort of all around if he could steady himself and not act the goat if you know if he can see if he concedes a goal or makes a save or if he can temper that side of his game, he's got everything he needs. Um and it looks like he's done that. You know, it, there was a lot made of the fact that he he saw a sort a sports psychologist after the whole um Van Dyke thing and you know, a loss of form and Ancelotti got to see a psychologist. So all that looks to have worked. And the big test now is what he comes back like because this is sort of the most the highest profile he's been since 2018 in the World Cup. But again, he had another brilliant tournament, made some great saves in the penalty shootouts, things like that. And he came back and he wasn't quite the same. You know, he's he's what three years older now, a bit more mature, just hoping it doesn't have the same effect as the last World Cup did on him. And he can come back and he can play like he did for England. He's never put a foot wrong for England, I don't think. Um, which is what makes the sort of calls for him to be dropped at certain points. I mean, some head cases were saying drop him for the final, which is just ludicrous. But <laughs> bloody hell! I know it, it's mad, and it, it's just like people couldn't wait for him to make a mistake so they could jump on his back and say, "Right, get him out." That's it now. Um, and it never came. You know, he, he, as, as Adam said, he, he proved all his critics wrong. He had a great tournament, and just hope he carries it on for us now next season. No reason to think why not. And if he does, we have genuinely got one of the world's best on our hands. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's, it's hyperbolic to say that, given how he performed. And, you know, Adam made reference to that save he made in the, in the final. You know, if that hits the post and goes out for a, for a corner, and like you said, mate, then, and, you know, England go on and win that, then all of a sudden, you know, people will be talking about that probably in the same breath as he bought, you know, Gordon Banks back in 1970, because it's a save in a major final that would have got England over the line. But it wasn't to be in the end. But, but Adam, let, let's mention something there about him coming back to Everton. And I think, you know, it's probably fair to say that whether it was him getting a, a bit too ahead of his station or whether he just got a little bit distracted or he was still a little bit tired that when he came back from that World Cup in 2018 he wasn't quite the same goalkeeper um, for, for whatever reason that was. You, you sort of look at him now and the way in which he does seem a bit more mature, the way in which he's been able to settle himself off the field that he's in a better position to to sort of just reset again and start a new season and be, be on it. Because I suppose in, in some sense, you know, there's, 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 if we're looking at it from an international point of view again, there's only another World Cup 18 months further down the line, isn't there? So that's something for him to aim for, surely. I imagine that's probably his, his first thought, actually, when coming back to club football, because they have created such a, a huge interest in the national team. And, and I am, for one, not a massive England fan. But I found myself very invested in it and very invested in, in Jordan Pickford's performances. And whether it is that at the forefront of his mind in regards to I want to be that number one again once the World Cup comes around, because he, he, no matter how much he's calmed himself down with this you know, medical professional, whatever you want to call it, he, he's still absolutely well. From the, from the video we some of us have seen, he still absolutely loves it, doesn't he? So being at the... Um, being England's number one and being part of this huge spectacle that the Euros have been and I'm sure the World Cup will be. He wants he want to be putting in performances for the next couple of seasons and it's obviously going to be very beneficial for us if he continues with the form that he has had in, in the past couple of months. So, yeah, he, he needs to, to come back and, and just continue in the same vein that he did, not just for England, but for Everton at the back end of, of last season. Um, no one's ever doubted his distribution and, and as I mentioned before his ability to, to stop shots but it's just that all round calming influence you need from a goalkeeper I remember saying it on a podcast with you Matt, a while ago when he was probably at, at his worst he, he just wants to be involved in everything he wanted he was jumping around and it was as if when the ball was was near the goal it was like well let, let me do something when it, that really shouldn't be the case actually and I think Robin Olsen may have taught him a couple of things in regards to just going about your business very quietly. And if he can continue to do that and make saves at the right time and and pick out a pass every so often, then he really will kick on. And there's no doubt that he'll be England's number one come the World Cup. Yeah, I think as well, as you know, it's... Adam sort of mentioned there that from the video we saw today, you know, him on his mate's shoulders, he does clearly love it still. And he's got that that side to his personality. And I don't necessarily think that's something he's, he's got to get rid of completely. You know, you saw in, in that penalty shootout where it's Jorginho stepping up to take that penalty and everyone's thinking, well, this lad doesn't miss penalties. It's, it's game over. And he's sort of just in a world of his own, just chucking it away to himself. He's got all all, all those you know, little idiosyncrasies that he's got start to come out again. And you start you start thinking, what, what on earth is going on in his head there? And, and yeah. you see the cogs are churning. And I think in, in some instances, in some instances, that, that, that sort of anarchic, chaotic side of Jordan Pickford is fine, isn't it? But it's just about when he taps into that. And if he, if he can sort of keep that under wraps and tap into it in those moments, whether it's a penalty shootout, whether it's you know, a one-on-one or something like that, where you need that sort of instinct and you need to act on you know, inherent traits as opposed to being calm and being composed, then 
that's a good thing as well, isn't it? He can still use that side of his personality to his advantage at times. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's always been the fine line between confidence and arrogance, hasn't it? Um, it's, as you say, it's when you use it. So the one that springs to mind for me is when he made that mad save against Leeds that he didn't have to. And it went out for a corner and then they oh, yeah. almost straight away. But from that corner, he's you know he's patting himself on the back, thinking, "What did you see? That what a great save that was, or that's what it looked like." And it was you know it was going wide anyway, but like not like Colombia going wide, perhaps it was actually genuinely going wide, and he'd obviously lost his position in a bit, as he could have just left it. Um, so it's it, it's when he uses that arrogance and that confidence, and as you say, penalty shootouts—that's the perfect time to do it because you need to use every little trick in the book to sort of get in the head of the striker to say, "But I'm going to save this." I don't know if, you, don't know if you, you noticed or you thought the same, but when they were doing that sort of FIFA view of the penalties, you know, from behind the goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. The runner in the goal made it look a lot harder than when Jordan Pickford was in the goal because Donnarumma is an absolute monster, isn't he? And you could just see the way the goal sort of like shrinks when he's in it. doesn't really do that for Jordan Pickford, but as Adam said, he's got the agility to make up for that. So he's not like six foot five, six foot six monster, but you know he's a big enough lad and he's got the agility to cover the ground. Like not many keepers would have got to that penalty, that final penalty there. As Adam said, he dived when he kicked it, and to get that far down and that far across the goal, it's something else. So it, I think yeah, it, you know you don't want to take that out of his game. It's like it's like a lot of players down the years that have got these mad sort of fractured personalities. It, it sort of makes them what they are. Um, and you don't always want to get rid of that. You know, if, if you look back to, say, um, Wayne Rooney, so as a Man United kind of drilled out that arrogance that he had and that um, spontaneity in his game, and he sort of became another cog in their machine. And, to, you know, it's a different position, it's a different time, it's a different team, but it's that sort of thing. I think if you did get that out of his system and just made him, you know, a solid, normal, standard keeper... He might lose part of his game so long as he channels it in the right way. Should be all right. Yeah, totally. For that, that, that save and the the last penalty from Jorginho was so impressive because I, I imagine, you know, every goalkeeper in the world knows in that situation the best thing to do is to wait and wait and wait. But so often they just they just bottle it, don't they? And they go. Yeah. But but he, he was able to do it in the, you know the highest pressure situations with the tournaments on the line. He, he he kept his head, and I think that's something that. That you've not been able to really say about Jordan Pickford for a lot of the time in his early earlier in his career. But just one more one more point on him. Um Adam, how, how do you think he's gonna cope with fans being back in the ground to sort of bring it back to to what we said at the start of the uh of the podcast? I think he'll he'll revel in the in the situation now, especially with having fans in the ground for the England games. I think it's yeah, it's always been something that he thrives on. That, that huge moment and, and whether it's the right moment or the wrong moment, he, he loves to be part of it. And yeah, as Les says, that that nervous energy almost is something that if you if you channel it in the right way, he is some keeper. Um, but it's a very fine line between having a bit of personality, having a little bit of that apprehension and but then also that the flip side of that is is very much keeping on your game a little bit robotic with it and and what I think Donnarumma is, is just a, a total robot, isn't he? He's just, when he's saved the, the sack of penalty, he didn't even celebrate, he just walked off. And and there's two two sides to that, and I think fans probably enhance that. Um, and for Jordan Pickford, as long as he continues what he's doing, I'm sure the fans will be singing his name on that first game 
at Goodison Park, and I'm sure it probably get some very good receptions around the Premier League as well. Yeah, maybe not so much at Newcastle and Liverpool still, though, Les. I mean, as much as I'm, I've got renewed confidence in Jordan Pickford, I've got to say I probably will still be a, nervous, a bit nervous about him going into those two games. Yeah, definitely. I think you alluded to before, he did sort of exercise a lot of demons in that last derby. Uh, just going back to the save he's made, that one off Jordan Henderson, I could watch that all day. It's an absolutely amazing save. It's one of them, again, where, you know, it, it, Henderson's hit that so well on the volley. Dipping into the bottom corner and he tips it around a post when it's behind him. Um, you know, he's he's capable of making those saves. And I think even in the England games, you know, he, he kept what five clean sheets. And you could say, well, the defense played really well. He didn't have that much to do. But anything he did have to do, he did it with confidence and he did it well. I think he had to make big saves in pretty much every game. Well, he did, yeah. Though, he, yeah. He, yeah, that's it. He, he did have to make at least one big save in each game. But if you think like the sort of the passage of the game that goes by until he's got to do that. You know, his concentration levels have got to be banged on it. And he were. And even coming off the corners and stuff, he looked pretty confident. Um, so yeah, I think we've got yeah, we've got we've got a lot to be be cheerful about there. And um, if you know, if he takes it into next season, it's a really good base to build on, which is you know, people might not like it. Um, but Benitez does seem to be a defensive minded coach. I'm fine with that. Because as we saw last season, you don't get anywhere unless you sort the defence out. Um, and, you know, if he's, if he's at the bottom of that defence, it's a good block to build on. Yeah. Um, lovely segue there, Les, into the next part of our conversation. Uh, <laughs> on to having a chat about the manager um, at his first press conference yesterday. Uh, apparently, he was two minutes early for it as well. Uh, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, Les, because a couple of weeks ago on Mailbag, we had this conversation about how whatever... People say about Benitez just before he's appointed or just about after he's appointment, appointed as soon as that first press conference comes along and he finished it. Everyone on Twitter will be saying, oh, he spoke pretty well there, didn't he? <laughs> um, and just like clockwork, you messaged me during it saying, speaking well here, isn't he? Or something <laughs> along those lines. But I'm going to be a massive hypocrite now and sit here and say, he did come across all right, didn't he? He did. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, you know, he's, he's not going to come out and say something really controversial, is he, in his first press conference when it's controversial enough as it is. I think he's keen to shut down now the talk of, well, what about when you said this? What about Liverpool? And that's what he's got to do. He just, he just can't entertain anything like that now. He's got to be like, look, I'm focused on this team. Everton's my team. I'm focused on them now. That's it. Um, because he's got to get it all season otherwise. But yeah, I thought, you know, as we said, he did speak well. Um, I'm I'm getting more and more excited by by the prospect of everything now, which I never ever thought I'd say. But you know, he's he's been there and he's done it everywhere. He's you know, if if he was underwhelming at Newcastle, you know, so be it. He's around the same age as Ancelotti. He's not had quite the career that Ancelotti's had. But as we said on other things, you know, he could be a much better fit because. It does seem, when you look at it now, like we can say with hindsight or whatever, Ancelotti's been blessed with that many great players down the years that he can literally just say to them, right, this is how we're playing, go out and play. And he doesn't have to do much more than that. Whereas everything we hear about Benitez is he's a much more hands-on manager and he's, you know, he's going to get a grip of players, he's going to improve players. And that's exactly what we need. And you know, if, if he can you know, just, just keep his press conferences just to business as usual, this is how things are. That's all we can ask from him, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, that's fair enough. Um, Adam, when, when we last had you on, mate, you were particularly downbeat about the, the situation. 
Um, how, how did you feel watching that yesterday? I mean, I'm still in a position where it's just, it's just so awkward and so weird looking at it. It's like it's like watching something awkward on the telly. You, you've got to turn it off. You can't watch it for more than, than two minutes because it's all just a bit strange. But uh, what, what did you make of his, his first presser and the way in which he dealt with some of those tough questions? Uh, I'm, I'm much of the same opinion in regards to he did speak well and he come across as, as someone who wants to you know, take the club forward and to win games and challenge is, is the word he keeps saying. But Carlo Ancelotti said that Carlo Ancelotti wanted to see how his contract at Bramley Moore. Carlo Ancelotti was gearing up for another season at Everton and that's not Rafa Benitez's fault. But I'm just, I'm still very apprehensive in a way that I, I want to see what happens when it goes wrong. Um, he's doing all the right things. The, the club are helping to get his name into the good books of many Evertonians. He's, he's sending you know, nice videos to fans. He's speaking well at his press conferences. He's wearing the cap and the jacket and all the training gear. And he's laughing along with Duncan Ferguson, as he'd expect and as he'd want. And, and that's fair enough to him. I'm sure a manager could come in who's had many doubters and many critics and, and just you know, kind of hide his face from the camera. And he hasn't done that, which is a credit to him. But we could all get really excited and think that you know, this this man is going to turn us around and, and it is a better fit. And, and I feel like he could be a better fit. I'm not saying that he's not a better fit, but I want to see what happens when the crowd turn on him because we worshipped Carlo Ancelotti and he got away with murder, really, um, in, in some scenarios, in my opinion, with the way he set up a team, um, the way that we just didn't ever look like scoring. And, and that's going to be a real challenge for Rafa Benitez because at the moment he's just got exactly the same players that Carlo Ancelotti did and when things go wrong for Rafa Benitez um, he won't have many people forgiving him as easy as, as Carlo Ancelotti did so he is a, a very very brave man a braver man than me um, well to be fair I think the wage packet and probably 10 minute drive softens the blow but I think um, I think he's got a lot of not making up to do because it's not making up to do. I, I, to be fair, I couldn't really care less about him being an ex-Liverpool manager at this stage. It's more about the fact that I don't think he's done well enough to warrant being an Everton manager in the past years gone by. And I know we say this all the time about managers and I know he's won a lot and I know he's a, he's a successful manager. Um, but I think we, are, we have always been that retirement home for a lot of players and I don't want to become a retirement home for managers as well. Um, and I just hope that we get off to a really good start because then that's where he'll get his, his foundations for pushing on um, because he, he's, he still will be a loss away from Goodison turning on him and yeah, hopefully that 3-0 win against who was it? At, <laughs> the other day. Hopefully that's a sign of good things to come because yeah, um, I wouldn't say I'm not excited I'm just very apprehensive at the fact that this is a really tough job for any manager never mind Rafa Benitez yeah I think Marco Silva won his first game 22-0 didn't he against ATV three years ago today. I think. no three years ago yesterday was it that's, yeah. just, that's when uh, Boomer Ash scored with his plums didn't he yeah he did I'll tell you what Les as well um, I think Adam's just showing up his knowledge of the world there saying it's a 10 minute drive from, from Caldy to to Hunt's Cross. So, uh, I don't know what route you're taking there, mate, but it, take, it, takes a, <laughs> it takes a lot longer than that, I can tell you. Well, you might have a fast car, mightn't you? So, yeah. You <laughs> might have a helicopter, yeah. Can I just, just quickly pick up on what Adam said there about um, Liverpool things not an issue? 
because a lot of people will say, well, of course it's an issue, but I think it, it's it's genuinely not. I think it is a case of it was it's his last sort of 10 years. That's the issue. Had he gone from Liverpool in 2009 to Everton, I don't think anyone really would have had much to complain about because he built, he, you know, he, he won the FA Cup, he won the Champions League and he had built one hell of a team at Liverpool. Uh, um, so I think it is the intervening sort of 10 years. I'm just looking at what Ancelotti did in that time. So after he left Chelsea, you know, the jobs he went to, yeah, he, he won stuff at PSG, he won stuff at, um, I don't know if he won stuff at Madrid, did he? Anyway, he won stuff at Bayern Munich. But, you know, those jobs, they're three shoe-ins for winning trophies, really, aren't they? Then he goes to Napoli, then he's at Everton. So he, he, he sort of only went to those sort of, let's say, lesser clubs from 2018 onwards. Napoli and Everton probably a relatively similar profile. Maybe Napoli just edge it in the past 10 years or so. Um, whereas Benitez hasn't really done that, I don't think, as yet, since he let, when he left Chelsea. Um, you know, he's been to Newcastle, he's been to China, he's not had those, those big gigs. So it kind of is a bit of a blot on his record, maybe, but we can't, we can't just fully judge him on that, I don't think. I think, I think that's fair enough. I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I think the Liverpool thing for me with, with Benitez and why I, think, why I think it's amplified, you know, I'm, I'm a few lads for me and, you know, I'm, I'm sort of over it now. I'm at an age where I don't really care, but I think for a lot of people and I, I sort of feel like he just sort of symbolises everything that we think that, of them because he was in charge for that game when they won the Champions League in 2005 after coming from behind three goals down when we finished above them and they knocked us out the Champions League, you know, all of a sudden. And, you know, I think people just associate him with that and that, that sort of moment and that sort of way in which they always seem to have the last laugh in whatever circumstance when it when it comes to overalls or when it comes to, to winning things themselves. But it's um, it's going to be interesting, like you said there. But I think, but I think as, as well, Adam, you know, you said there about him, needing to have a good start. I think sort of where we are now and seeing the players sort of coming back in dribs and drabs, you know, Moise Keane was back today. Um, Alan and Abdullah Decore, I think, are still isolating. I don't know why they didn't come back early to, to get him to training on time. I haven't completed their isolation, I don't know. But, you know, Richarlison, I saw pictures of him today off in Japan or off to Japan to, for the Olympics. Niels and Kunku is going to the Olympics of France. Uh, Paddy reported in The Athletic today. Um for a manager who needs a good start and is absolutely desperate for a good start, there are a lot of things lined up to, to stop him potentially having a good start, aren't there? Maybe aside from, from the fixtures themselves. That's it. I think it's he's how, probably what Rafa Benitez is used to, actually, with, with managing such such high-profile clubs in his, in his time as a manager, um, definitely in his early years, is the best players are always coming back late because they're usually playing in, in big tournaments and they usually get into the latter stages of them. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, really, because he has the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the likes of Jordan Pickford, the likes of Richarlison, Yerry Mina, and now James Rodriguez wasn't at the Copa America. But yeah, these, these players who are coming back late, who are coming back with a really, I don't know, unsure next step in regards to are they staying at the club or are they leaving? Um, and then also coming into a new director of football who I imagine has got plans and, and Rafa Benitez has got plans. Uh, and I, I am not too sure how many of the names on each of their lists will match up. And, and that needs to be conversations that are starting to materialise very, very quickly because um, in, in a month or so, if we haven't got, in my opinion, five or six new, new players who are potentially going into the starting eleven. 
uh, then that that tough start is going to become even tougher, no matter if the fans are on your on your back or, or behind you. Because yeah, there's Richarlison, who who I imagine will miss the first couple of games of the season, uh, and then you've got players there who might not be up and running with fitness, who might not be up and running with the style of play and, and what Benitez is trying to integrate into the squad. So yeah, we need to get some business done soon, uh, and we need to make sure that the ethos and the direction that the manager has taken us is is nailed down pretty quickly. Yeah, to be honest, Les, you know, I, I do understand there's a lot of issues, but the sight of Jean-Philippe Gabarman striding forward and playing at me, Gordon, through on goal, to score in that friendly, they just make me think for a second that that's going to be our route to glory this season. With, with those two lads coming back, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, we've got to cling on to whatever we can. Um, yeah. With, with Gabarman, though, I mean, you know, it's it's something we've been saying for is it two years now, or is it three, or is it ten? It seems like it. Um, if we get him in the side, he, he could be pivotal. And you know, haven't seen actual footage of him playing. I did. We did see him play off a game down at Palace, didn't we? I can't yeah, remember. yeah. Is it? Came wasn't wasn't very good, was he? But you know, he was much better when he played against Watford, wasn't he? The, the week after. Yeah, but you know, I haven't seen him sort of like getting out there, getting on the pitch. Now he looks a presence in midfield. You know, it's, it's he looks like a totally different midfielder to, to everyone else we've got there. And you can kind of see why he was brought in, um, because he does look like that big presence we've needed in midfield for years. Um, so, you know, you can't hang our hats on him, but we can give it a go, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just finally, before we wrap up today, I'm sure everyone's seen this as well over the last couple of days. Um, again, I think it was reported by Greg in The Athletic about Thierry Small, who's just jibbed everything off effectively this week uh, with training. Uh, she decided not to come in. Um, no one's his mum and dad have rang up and said, you know, why he's not coming to school effectively. He's, he's still only 16, isn't he? You forget that. But um, apparently, he wants to play first team football and apparently, he wants to go to Manchester United. And, and Adam, you were saying just before we came on on the show, um, I've not seen this myself yet, but a tweet from somewhere saying that apparently Carlo Ancelotti might want to take him to, to Real Madrid. Um, I'm sure that'll curry even more favour with the Evertonians if he's uh, if he's going and taking our best young players off us. Yeah, it's um I was saying to you before, wasn't I Matt, he must be he must be a fantastic young footballer and I know there's obviously a lot of speculation on social media and you can take it with a pinch of salt, but if he's not turning up for, for training there's there's one thing and that there needs to be a couple of routes from the club um obviously making it known that you can't just start on your weight around as a 16-year-old who has played a couple of minutes for the first team. But at the same time, if he if he is that talented that you you Manchester United and Real Madrid are, are trying to um take him on board, then they're also we also need to start treating these players in a way that they deserve if they have got that talent, no matter how young they are. Um I know 16 sounds stupidly young and you could as you say his mum or dad ringing up. It just reminds me of the in-between us when Simon tries to take the day off school and puts his mum's voice on. And I'm sure it's probably what he was doing to wrap uh, well, I, I suppose Benitez wouldn't have met him, so he could have probably got away with that, putting the voice on. Because he, he wouldn't know what he sounds like, would he? Exactly that. So, if, yeah, he's probably trying to blag it. He's probably just trying to just have another day off or something. He's probably not going anywhere. But, yeah, I think on a serious note, if he... 
he had a little bit of a buzz last year and I think it's the right thing to do to to give them a taste of of what could happen if you keep your head down and you keep grafting. But to behave in a way like that, even if you do want to to move clubs, it, it doesn't look good for you um, as a footballer at your current team, but it doesn't look good at your the team that you might be wanting to go to because it's it's one of them, isn't it? I think if if you act in the right way and you go about it in the right way, then you've always got a chance of of getting your move. And and if you, you know throw your toys out the pram, who's to say you wouldn't do that when you want to move away from United, when you want to move away from Real Madrid, when someone else comes calling down down that line. So yeah, it's I don't know. It, it seems it, it's obviously very disappointing that a young talent feels the need to to go on strike almost, isn't it? But without coming back for pre-season training. But at the same time, it's it's something that needs to be solved very quickly because he, he either needs to, to be taught or he definitely needs to be taught how to, to carry himself as a professional. Uh, but then he also needs to have a little bit of confidence instilled that he, he, this is the club to, to be at and to, to buy a trade, really. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever do that, Adam, in your younger days, phone up to school and pretend to be your dad saying you're not well so you could have the day off? Many a time, it was. Uh, <laughs> Did you actually? My sister was a my sister was a proper rebel herself, so I'd just get my sister to ring up and act as my mum. Well, probably once or twice. I think it was more towards like the sixth form days when we were like compulsory to be in some lessons, and I'd just turn it in and go and play footy or something. <laughs> I thought you were going to say if you ever tried to force a move somewhere, and I was thinking. I haven't even had the chance to go anywhere else, but... I know you're in demand in North Liverpool, mate, with all the, the, the top sides, so, you know, unsurprised. I've had a good start to the pre-season, actually. I'm, I'm expecting a couple of phone calls soon. Maybe I can fill in for Thierry once he leaves, actually. <laughs> Left side of the Absolutely. What about you, Les? Did you ever do that to bunk off? Um, bunked off to go down to Portsmouth to watch us get knocked out the league. Six form. that was fun. Um, got back to Birkenhead and had at three o'clock in the morning and then got bollocked the next day um, for taking time off. But it was only six form. It was much easier to bunk off. Five of us bunked off the same science lesson and I spent three fraught hours in Birkenhead Park panicking that we're going to get collared and all get shouted at. But it was like in the fifth year or year 11 in new money. And the teachers didn't seem to be very bothered, so we got away with it. But it was like the worst afternoon ever. It was awful. So I wouldn't recommend oh, it. Enough to lose his oh, but, but just just your thoughts on that, Les. Obviously, as someone who manages a team of children, how, how would you deal with a, with a lad who's uh, just doesn't turn up for, for pre season? Um, yeah, I wouldn't be happy put it that way. I think the disappointing thing is kids kids out all over the country now are just faking COVID tests, aren't they? Using orange juice and cola or something. <laughs> He's 16, he should have done that. Um, I, I don't like the idea that he's making that much of a stand or seemingly making that much of a stand at 16 years of age, having had what one game in the first team. Yes, he might be brilliant, but you're a left back. It's like, you know, if if you're Wayne Rooney coming through, okay, but you're a left back. It's, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? And if he's thinking of going to United, they're not sure to left backs themselves. You know, they just had one of the players at the tournament there in Luke Shaw who plays left back for them. So it just, I don't know, the whole thing's dead weird. Just, I, I don't like it, but I think, as Adam said, it does need to be something done with this sort of path to the first team because there's a massive disconnect, and we've been saying it for a couple of years now, haven't we? As well as the under-23s are doing, that's not their job, really, to just go out and win the Premier League to 
it's got to be a pathway to the first team and it's not proven that. And I suppose if you've got really talented players like that who can see this happening, you can kind of see why they might want to wait. Yeah, that's fair enough. I love the way you sort of um, denigrated left-sided players there as well after Adam himself just said he's one. So, I, was a left, yeah. I was a left-back myself. So <laughs> it's also, I, can, I can do that because I was one. Yeah, Adam is not Liverpool's most in-demand left-sided player, as, as he just confirmed to us. So, you know, it's... That's <laughs> <laughs> true, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, anyway, this week, lads, really appreciate your time. Cheers to Adam, cheers to Les. Uh, me and Les are back on Saturday recording Mailbag, is it? Yeah, Les, we're recording yeah. on yeah, Saturday. So, looking forward to, to that. Um, I'm going out on Friday night, so it might be a little bit tender for that. But uh, if you want to listen to that, and all of our other shows over on the Blue Room Extra, uh, where you get multiple shows every weekday. It's patreon.com slash the Blue Room Extra. Works out about a pound a week, and you can cancel it at any time. No fixed contract. So come and join us over there if you want to hear me a little bit hungover and Les in great spirits on, on Saturday morning. But cheers to Adam. Cheers to Les for tonight. That's been your weekly show. We'll speak to you again soon. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away? Or bring everyone together. Do you want to get outside and play? Or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.